Hey, Shawty, let me holler at you. baseball card in your bike spokes, son? I hope it's not a T206 Onus Wagner that you got in your pack of cigarettes that you picked up for dad. In 1909? In 1909. And he never came back after getting those cigarettes. Oh, sorry, sorry. Where are we going again? Drew, we're talking about short, short shorts, Daisy Dukes of documentaries. Woo, woo. And uh, when you're on the mic, everything's sports theme. We talk about 30 for 30, Full length and short episodes. That's what you you got when you handed over the shorts for 2020. Year of Drew. Year of Drew. For me. And you picked this one. We talk baseball cards. Yeah. Do you still have a lot of baseball cards? Not really. When I was a kid. I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I liked, um, I did collect baseball cards, but I was really into basketball cards. Because basketball was like the thing in the 90s more than... Probably for me more than any other sport, basketball is probably one of the better ones. But I did, but I, but with I did like baseball cards. But I, you just liked seeing the Menendez brothers on your cards. I just wanted to. <laughs> I collected Menendez brothers memorabilia. <laughs> Courtside at the Knicks game. Yeah, I love the Ooh. Menendezes. What's that, whatever happened to those boys? There's probably a documentary on it. We're talking about the flick Holy Grail, the T two zero six Honus Wagner by. The Barnacle Brothers. Nick. Oh, no coconuts in the Holy Grail. Nick and Colin Barnacle is their name. I guess Wait, you that's, named the Barnacle Brothers? I I looked them up because I was like, who the fuck would call themselves the Barnacle Brothers? The Barnacle Brothers would. I guess that's their real name. And whenever the Barnacle Brothers flashes on the screen, bitchin' techno music. Yeah. The, the music in this one. <laughs> was weirdly, questionable choices on the soundtrack. The music was like like someone's gonna um defuse a bomb throughout this thing. <laughs> it's like what what the fuck is this? I I gotta say straight up, I had some issues with this one. Maybe you just aren't in down with the style of the Barnacle Brothers. I might not be. The Dust Brothers, the uh, chemical Brothers. The Chemical Brothers. They go hard, those barnacles. <laughs> the Barnacle Brothers, they're kind of like a low-rent version. <laughs> we see some old-ass baseball cards. That's cool. I like looking at old baseball cards. We hear audio of some issues with a card out there. What's the deal with this card? Oh, and another issue I got is Keith Olbermann shows up. <laughs> Beautiful set, aesthetically. So something transcendent about those cards that, that certainly had not been matched prior to them being released, and, and I don't think really has been achieved since. Keith Olbermann's kind of this about half of this documentary. I understand that he started out as a sports guy. I can't stand this motherfucker. And the camera did not know whether to be like six feet away or up its fucking nose. It was very frustrating. He and, was great the early sports center days with Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick. Since they went their separate ways, differences. Yeah. I wrote in my notes, Keith Olbermann, giant twat. Well, now he helps rescue dogs, so how giant a twat can he be? Look, I heard even Hitler loved dogs, okay? <laughs> but I can see that Keith Olbermann obviously knows a lot about baseball and baseball cards and shit. 
and he makes little glib asides every sentence he can because he's Keith Olbermann. That's something else. That's Willy Wonka's golden ticket. We start out with some very questionable, <laughs> very questionable sentences about magical people and frauds and something Mona Lisa-like about a baseball card and baseball exploding from the level of indoor soccer to the level of baseball in just a couple of years. Let me tell you, that T206 Honus Wagner, you look at it, you look at its size, you can practically hear it say the N-word. That's the tight cop. <laughs> I think they hung out. <laughs> they were the two greatest players of this generation. Some of the biggest stars in all of America, because baseball was so popular, and these were baseball's two biggest stars right now. Hannes Wagner, Ty Cobb, and the, the tobacco of, companies decided to make some old, money. Old dudes. Everyone smoked cigarettes back then. So, great place to get your baseball cards? Packs of cigarettes. From 1909 to 1911, the American Tobacco Trust put cards in all their packs of smokes. Over 500 cards in that span of time were shoved into certain different types, different players. And they did look cool. There's interesting art on these cards. It's not something like, it's not photographs. It's actual little... Well, they're based on photographs. It's like photographs that are then colored over. Yeah, it looks good. There's something about them. I will give them that. I'm not going to say it's magical people that look like Mona Lisa. Yeah. But there is something about this set that just looks looks nice. But Hannes Wagner, he don't want to be part of this set of baseball cards. There was some debate as to why he didn't want to be in here. One was he was against smoking, I guess. That's what people want to think. They want to romanticize it. Like, he didn't want kids to look he, at his card and smoke. He was a smoke. man of pure virtue. But I think in 1909, people thought cigarettes made you strong or something. Yeah, that you would extend your life. Give you <laughs> firm erections. So probably he just wasn't getting paid by the tobacco company. He's yeah. like, don't use my picture if you're not giving me any money. Yeah, and the card got pulled. And what recurs from that is suddenly that Honus Wagner card in the packs of cigarettes becomes the most valuable of those packs. There's only 50 to 70 Honus Wagners when about 10,000 of all the rest of the cards in that T206 set were made. And most of them look like a barn dance took place on top of them. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of from 1909. They're not going to be in great condition. Uh, we've seen these Hannes Wagner cards. They're not ridiculous price. They're out there. Uh, yeah, most of them look like they got barn danced on. Yeah. But there's one. The colors are bright. The edges are crisp. His face glows from inside. It appears at an auction sold to a guy named Bill Mastro. He's a sports fanatic and an auctioneer. And becomes a really big name in the sports collectibles market. He's kind of a hustler. They give little analogies of him as a kid selling cards for more than they're worth. Probably with a cigarette in his mouth. Keith thinks he's shady. And he would know. I don't like Keith Olbermann. Have I made that clear? Uh, <laughs> well, he's in this one a lot, and he's got some great one-liners for you. It's hard to believe a, the term perfect storm could apply to a baseball card. Yeah. I think he says, hey, Bob, before a couple of them. <laughs> hey, Bob, you hear this? <laughs> Fuck you. You hear this one? He knew I was watching. That <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, as it turns out, the card would later be sold to... It, the card was co-owned at some point by Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, that is. A guy named Bruce McNola. They show up again. 
callback to our very first 30 for 30 together. Yeah, I think it's like the third episode, second or third episode. Of Documenteers. Yes. But the very first 30 for 30 about Wayne Gretzky joining the Kings, who were owned by Bruce McNall. Yeah. And I guess they were such good friends that they decided to drop about, what was it, 400K? Yeah. On this miss, this really beautiful Hannes Wagner T206 card. And now, all of a sudden, it's not just one of the rarest baseball cards in the world. It's, it's also the Wayne Gretzky-owned card. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's a celebrity card. Like, again, if you go back and listen to that episode... Celebrity comes to LA, and Bruce McNall just loves being in these thirty for thirties. He's showed up in a few of these now. Yeah, we can't ditch this guy. Now, if you are serious about collecting your cards and you want to throw around some money, it's pretty smart to get your own guy to get some eyes on it, a third party to grade the thing, and they go to David Hall, card grader, and sure enough, he declares this card mint near mint, an eight out of ten. Damn near pristine. And this kind of makes their company, Pro Sports Authentication, PSA, still one of the biggest in the baseball card world, kind of makes their reputation that they got. He said he might be the only one who got to look at this Hannes Wagner card through the microscope to check it out for absolutely everything. And yeah, sure enough, an 8 out of 10 near mint to mint grade Hmm. for a card from 1909. They point out that up to probably this very day, I mean, I think this short came out a few years ago. This card has always profited on resale. It just gets more and more and more expensive. It's the most prolific rare baseball card out there. Nobody loses money on the Hannes Wagner card. Nope. And we show you this through what I assume is your favorite a use of a little graph with a nice soundtrack music in the background that they use about four or five times in this documentary. Yes, there's something else that we'll get to in just a second that I was like, are you serious? Uh, but there's rumors going around that the edges of this Honus Wagner card were cut. And we hear this after it's sold five times since the Gretzky sale. Yeah. And it's up to $2,800,000 in its most recent sale. Even if Woo! if the only issue is that the edges were still cut, it's still in better shape than every other Honus Wagner card you see. Although if the edges were cut, that drops it down to a grade of authentic, not near mint to mint, not $2,800,000, just $800,000. That's it. There's a $2 million price difference on this all of a sudden with the controversy that... Maybe this card's a little smaller than it was when it started out. There's no way those edges could be that crisp. Yeah. It seemed like a lot of the 1909, those cigarette pack cards also have curved edges as well. And this one seemed a little straight. You know how crisp those edges are? And for years, I always suspected it was it was a moil. I presumed it had to be somebody who would, you know, be really good with uh, with very small, delicate things yes a rabbi that performs circumcisions using precise cuts on delicate objects if i could make anyone do anything in the world i wouldn't stop keith olbermann from um adopting dogs i think that's a good thing but i would make him punch himself in the balls once a day as hard (laughs) as he can well the fbi starts investigating mastro because they think he's the one who cut it before it was sold to gretzky and that's when we get this weird sizzle reel (laughs) with some that music playing (laughs) 
a synth jam is playing over the text of an FBI lawsuit. Why? Why? Is that supposed to be funny? This sizzle. I realize I do shit on here that's supposed to quote unquote be funny all the time, but seriously, what? I don't understand. With questionable music choices? <laughs> but they get the grader back on there and he's like, hey, I looked at this thing over and over again under a microscope. The edges didn't look trimmed to me. But he might have a stake in that. PSA's grading, their standing among the grading community went so high after they were the ones who graded the Hannes Wagner card, the holy grail of baseball cards. Plus, they make a nice mention in here where, you know, if they start grading all these things at crappy levels, the people who own these cards aren't going to ask them to grade their cards. That's an excellent point. Hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, I get, it's really obvious if something looks like shit, but then you get into the weeds of certain things and... Things become vague. And sure enough, we like to assume expertise, but a lot of times that expertise is just kind of made the fuck up. And it's going to leave us on a little bit of ambiguity. It's going to say that, you know, it sold in 2008 for this $2,800,000. No one knows where it's being kept right now. And the lawsuit against the, whatever his name is, Bill Mastro, the old collector who sold it in the first Sothersby auction, is still pending. Bill Mastro, more like Bill Master Betro. We leave out just noting that the Hannes abides. God. I bet he quotes the Big Lebowski all the time. That's another thing I'd do. I'd make him stop quoting the Big Lebowski. The case has yet to be abjucated. As of this short, do you know if this case is done now? I do, actually. It was a couple years later that guess what they settled and bill mastro <laughs> boring got, got 20 months in prison okay so that means it was altered but not for altering the hannes wagner card okay for using shill bidders to drive up the prices on his auctions oh so we still don't have a definitive answer but somewhere in there everyone kind of agreed that yeah he was also altering wow <laughs> items Probably including the Hannes Wagner with a precision paper cutting device. So the value plummets, but it's still probably one of the best shaped Honus cards out there. It hasn't been sold again since. Yeah. Will the value plummet? It just depends on what people will pay for it. And this notoriety can probably only help its price. Yeah. This controversy, this mystery, this Mona Lisa-like ambiguity surrounding the most beautiful shaped baseball card the holy grail of baseball cards. The Hannes abides. The Hannes abides, dude. But guess what? There was some shady shit with the FBI, too. Oh, no kidding. Bill Mastro's brother happened to be the deputy mayor under everyone's favorite, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, what? You know, Nosferatu himself? Cousin fucker himself? So people might have been a little upset that he only got 20 months for this uh, racket. But there might have been a little uh, a little family favors tossed in there. The guy, but I'm sure Giuliani wouldn't do anything like that. The guy like who that. goes on the news and says, like, yeah, I'm untouchable. I'll blackmail the shit out of them <laughs> if they try to come at me. A lot of layers to this. A lot of layers. Wow. America's mayor. And that card is still out there somewhere. We don't know. Being kept in a secret location. Yeah. I heard it bought one of those tiny houses in the Northwest. I'd and- like to get my hands on a T206 Honest Wagner. Of course. 
Who wouldn't? Even at a reducted price, it's still like the shit for us. Even a barn danced one. Yeah. What, what was the most valuable card you ever owned? Look, I, I know as a kid we were looking through those Beckett price guides for everything. And I, yeah, not a single card from the 90s is worth shit. I had an old O.J. Simpson card that was kind of bent up, but I had the Larry Johnson rookie card, Ooh. which was like 25 30 bucks for a minute. We were all about those Ken Griffey Jr. rookie cards that yeah. probably aren't worth anything now anyways because they <laughs> mass-produced everything in, so much. In the fucking 90s, everyone had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie oh, card. Man, I remember that one. I remember the Mark McGuire error card where there was a white blotch near his foot. Mm. That was one of the first special cards I had into the world of error cards. I, but the uh, most valuable one I ever had was a Burt Blylevin rookie. Huh. And I was down at the card shop all the time trying to negotiate a sale. I don't think I ever sold it. Right. Man, those card shop guys were weird. I think all all the shit we were into then, unless you got the Michael Jordan rookie card, is like a quarter if you're lucky. I'll still flip through a Beckett price guide though when I see one of those. I uh I also bought a lot of Marvel Comics trading cards, which are even worth even less than shit. I want to say at some point, all of those neighborhood card shops that we used to be in, just buying baseball cards and putting them in our bike spokes, you know, old-timey shit, just all of a sudden turned to magic cards at some point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was like, the, I'm not down with magic. I it, want my baseball mans. In the 80s and 90s, any hit TV show or movie had a trading card set. It was... The market was, like, out of control. Or anybody we were killing in the Gulf War had trading cards. Uh, yeah. Hell, after 9-11, we had, like, most wanted terrorist trading cards. I think I had some. We got serial killer trading cards. One of them's Keith Olbermann. No, that's my custom deck. <laughs> and that's that flick, Holy Grail, the T206 Honus Wagner by the Barnacle Brothers. <laughs> Drew, we don't rate short documentaries in full-grown Herzogs. We do it in baby Herzogs. You can give it one through three. I'm going to give it one through three. We're going to combine them for best out of six. Drew, what do you think of um, Holy Grail? I love the card. I love the story. I love all the pictures of the baseball cards and, uh, and the nostalgia of the dude from the card shop standing in front of his wall of card boxes. Something about opening a pack of baseball cards is still special. I hope kids today get that feeling. When you open the pack, what could be in here? Is it someone from my favorite team? I don't care who. There's something nice about opening a pack of baseball cards. I'm always going to be a, I'm always going to have a soft spot for that. I loved seeing these. I love the story of the Hannes Wagner card. I think it's super interesting how this one got to be like the face of collectible baseball cards. The soundtrack was extremely questionable. Those graphs every time they wanted to show time passing was totally unnecessary. <laughs> Keith Olbermann having a quip for everything got really tired. And why couldn't they keep the camera the same distance on him? Is he a you cousin to the Barnacle Brothers? I don't know why. He was just the guy they got for this one. He was the Bill Simmons of this episode. I give it a 1.5. I love the T206. The credit I'm going to give to this sh short is that it told me what the rarest baseball card is. Also, reading the title of the short could also give me that information. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like the Barnacle Brothers were like, uh, we don't know how to make this interesting. Uh, let's put in some 
intense music. Hey, you know Keith Olbermann, right? Let's have him talk through most of it. How long was this? Almost 20 minutes? 18 minutes? They zoomed in on the card a whole bunch of times, too. Yeah. Oh, in yeah. different lightings. And the weird, like, scrolling of the the court document. There was some desperation to make something look like something. Honestly, it, this could have been five minutes long and just told it straightforward. I probably would have liked it a lot better. I felt like, truly, this was obnoxious as shit. I kind of thought there were, like, five-minute shorties. <laughs> this could have been one, too. Yeah. So, I'll credit for informing me what the rarest baseball card is. And for that, I'm only going to give it a point two five. I re- I really thought it was weak, man. The Barnacle Brothers, oof, dudes. To quote Rip Wayne Gretzky, sorry. You take your, what, 1.5? Combined with my point two five, that is 1.75 out of six baby Herzogs. That might be our lowest shorties yet. Yeah, I'm not sure. Could be. It probably is for us, at least. Yeah. And that's the story of a fucking baseball card. Come back to us next week, all right, Drew? More shorties. 2020, you're a Drew. All sports, all the time. Let's go. Keep on docking. It'll always be valuable. It'll always be the Hannes Wagner card. And there's nothing that Bill Mastro with an X-Acto knife or the FBI or the Justice Department or me, you, or any of Hannes Wagner's relatives could do to it to change the one fact. The Hannes abides. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down. Shining in I found my mind In a brown paper bag But then I tripped on a cloud And fell eight miles high I tore my mind On a jagged sky I just dropped in To see what condition My condition was in (laughs) 